Welcome to Life Essence Podcast Testimony Hour. I hope you guys are well and this podcast is reaching you and you're just really well and taking the time being at home in this pandemic to really just look at yourselves and, you know, really start doing things that you enjoy, whether that's reading, worshipping, getting deeper into the Bible, whatever it is, or listening to a podcast. <laughs> you, I, hope you're, I hope you're good. I really do. And I hope you've been enjoying the recent podcasts. Today, I'm joined with a lady who's lovely. She's got the most adorable hair. I really want the hair. <laughs> <laughs> and her name's Ellie, and she's the founder of Fuller Slice Cake Company. Welcome, yeah. Ellie. Hi! Hi! So, so, so glad to have you here today. Thank you, thank you. But guys, we're over Zoom. This is the first time I do a Zoom because normally, you know, we I have the people with me, but I can see Ellie and we can still get our prayers on, so we're all good here. (laughs) But, you know, by Ellie's own admission, she says that she was brought up with a silver spoon and attended private school and grammar school in Kent. Um, And she felt that she was living the life. And then it went completely wrong. So first of all, Ellie, tell me about this spoon, this silver spoon, as you say. Um, Brought up in a middle-class family. Um, Both my parents worked, had great jobs. Primary school was private school. Right. Secondary school was a grammar maintained school. Mm-hmm. Um, my secondary school is built on, I think, nine acres of land. Wow. And that includes woods, tennis courts, you name it, we've got it. Um, Sounds like Hogwarts. Yeah, you might as well call it that. Because <laughs> one, one, one part of the school, one of the houses is, um, is like, it's very Victorian. Yeah. Very Victorian. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So anything, um, I got anything. I was dressed in Harrods. I was dressed in French boutiques. My mum used to go over to France and get all my clothes and all that. I was into modelling. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I had it all. Yeah. And then what happened? My parents, like my dad retired um, and he said, right, we're going back home to Jamaica. Not that's where he's from. My mum's from Jamaica. My dad's English. Um, he said, I'm retiring. So we're going to live out in Jamaica. My brother, he was in second, he just started secondary school. So of course he had to go and school out there. Um, I was, I think, 17. And my parents asked me if I wanted to come. And I said, no because I didn't Jamaica and England is two different living Mm. Um, so I said no that's not me I'm staying here I stayed with family then got um, into a hostel and now I'm living in yeah life really did change when my parents left 
my parents are both Christians. My my dad was the deacon of the church. My mum was the um, head of ushers. Um, so whenever there was a church conference, a convention, you name it, on a Saturday, we were always there. So my life consisted of home, school and church. Um, so basically, I, I call it my bubble. So leaving, when my parents left, that bubble burst. Um, I then saw what the world was about trusted the world but trusted it a bit too far when you say tr um trusted is it trusting people trusting people you know because you've got to remember church life versus a secular life mm. is way different and to be 17 18 yeah, I saw a lot of things. I thought I had friendships with certain people. Um, I got caught up in selling drugs, cooking drugs, keeping drugs in my house, keeping guns and money and whatever, whatever in my house, thinking they were my friends. Um, but they clearly weren't. Um, I had my son when I was 21. Um, his father weren't there as I thought he would have been. Um, and I got into a bit of money problems. Yes, I was making money selling the drugs and doing whatever. But what you've got to what you've got to understand is easy money quick money fast money it's also quick money to spend mm. so when it comes to your bills and all of that you're not paying none of that because you need to look fresh you need to look good you need to do certain things you need to keep an, up an appearance you need to keep up your reputation so when i i got into some money troubles um I knew I had to do something. Um, didn't do anything for quite a while. Um went over to Jamaica and got into a holiday romance. Um came back home, met my husband's sister out in England. And two weeks being with her and chilling and relaxing, she said, oh, here's your ticket. And I said, my ticket to where? She went, oh, we're going back home to Jamaica, but your husband's sent the ticket um, for you and your son. I jumped at the chance, went back out there. He proposed to me. I said, yes. I didn't tell my parents. Um, sorry, this time my dad and my brother were back in England. Um, so yeah, I stayed in Jamaica for about 18 months. 
a lot of wrong was done out there towards me. Um, I don't hold it against him no more. It was long, and I had forgiven him. Um, but when I came back, I met up with some people that he knows of, and they asked me to do a drug run to Guyana to bring over some drugs. Um, and as I said before, I was in some serious money problems now. So I just thought, you know what, let me just jump at the chance, do it and come back and yeah, whatever. Went to Guyana, spent two weeks out there in a hotel room because there is no beaches. And with my son, and picked up two bottles of rum, um, which had liquid cocaine. Got to the airport, and the Narcos team, which is their drug team, stopped me and said, I'll give you such a suitcase. I said, Yeah, no problem. Went down to look at the suitcases and they shook two bottles, the two bottles. One was fine, one wasn't, it was like syrup. And I just knew, right, I'm getting nicked there and then. Like, I don't know anyone in this country and I've got my son with me, like, what the hell? That's all I'm thinking in my head. They let me go through and I thought to myself, oh, okay got through to Heathrow and that's when I got stopped again and I just knew instantly I said yeah this is it I've been nabbed so when it came to them saying I'll phone you have to phone someone um, so they can come and collect your son so we can conduct the interview I phoned my brother and my brother said, oh, okay, I will sort out Israel, which is my son. Um, I'll come and get him, but I'm going to have to phone mum. Um, and he phoned my mum, but little did I know, my mum was on a car journey taking and a couple of other people to a conference some church conference when my brother broke the news and they had to pull over um <clears throat> i feel like such an embarrassment No, it's okay. Yeah, so... That's hard. You know, especially, mm. you know, it didn't just impact you, it impacted other people who were connected to you, to family and non-family. And you, you grew up with these people, so... Right. <laughs> right. Um, I... Yeah, so they, my brother came and got Israel, done the interview. Um, I said to the solicitor, can we apply for bail? 
he said to me, he said, I don't think you will get bail. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm just never been in this predicament before. I've, I've never dealt with the police. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then my solicitor said to me, yeah, you've got bail. Um, and I had bail for four or five months. Um, still going to court in those times. Um, and then on January the 26th, 2003, was the day I entered jail because this day I got sentenced to four years even though my solicitor kept saying to me and my mum your daughter's looking at a lengthy time lengthy time of 7 to 15 years wow um but you know prayer just changes things mm. and I know my mum put down some and the church put down some mm. serious prayer so I ended up getting four years. Um, I done two years, and I got out on the twenty seventh of January, twenty two thousand and six. So you know, you mentioned um, prayer changing everything, and the mm -hmm. fact that you weren't gonna get bail, and you got bail. They said seven to fifteen years. You didn't mm -hmm. even get seven. You know, you, you got four. So, you know, that you committed a crime and even Bible says if you've done something, you have to um, be punished, yeah. you know, which, but he, the, it's like grace was still over you, that you still managed to do less mm -hmm. than what was predicted. So, and, you know, you say you grew up in the church, like quite heavily and then to go out and, you know, trust people and see a different kind of side of life. And quite, you sound kind of like naive because you went to a grammar school, private school. It's not street life. So going, it, it must have seemed or looked really colourful. Yeah, because uh, I don't want to slate church. I don't want to slate the religion but even with my children I'm not forcing them I was forced to go to church um yeah so I want my kids to know both sides mm. so how I'm bringing them up now is mm. not how my parents brought me up mm. Um, they know God, yeah. they know church, and they know that's the foundation, mm -hmm. and they know they believe in um, God and, and all of that. But I'm not force. It, it, it's, it's so hard to explain. I'm not forcing them. Mm. I understand. Like, um, well, from, it's almost like when you're thinking about God, it's about having a relationship with Him. When you're mm. forced. There is there's no relationship. relationship. So in essence, it's almost 
you provide the foundation and pray relationship comes because you've sowed that seed. As you said, there's no relationship. When I went to jail, mm. oh my God, I stroke up a relationship with God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I lost my maternal instincts at the same time. Um, but that when it came to being released and coming into the real world, mm. I'm not going to lie, I lost my, my, my relationship again with God. Mm. And my, me and my son's relationship deteriorated even more. It's just, yeah, it's, I take one day at a time, mm -hmm. but I always look back and think, it wasn't my friends that helped me get through it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my family. Mm -hmm. There's only one person that helped me get through those two years of prison life, and that was God. And he sent an angel, and the angel was a church sister's sister that also done a crime, and we was in the same prison. Um, God sent her to build my relationship with him because she pushed us to have Bible studies, to have prayer meetings, to get together. And it's only her that helped me through some rough times in there. And she's the only one that I can really talk to. Mm. Um... I can talk to my friends about, and certain family members about, you know, prison, some of them who have been through it, but I can only talk to my best, my best friend um, because we both went through it at the same time in the same place. It, I tell you what prison does, it open up your eyes. Yeah. It does open up your eyes. No, no. So you built your relationship with God and you came out and your relationship then went not so good. Yeah. What happened? Real world. Yeah. When I came out, um, an acquaintance knew that I was broke. Um, and placed half a key of cocaine mm. um, if I didn't hear my son's voice in the background maybe temptation is a horrible thing but maybe I would have picked it up and done something but because the fact that God had my son in my house God knew that I heard his voice through my son to say, don't you dare 
mm. take another two years out. Mm. So yeah. <sighs> and now, where are you now? I'm. I'm in isolation. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, uh, I'm, I'm in a really, really blessed and favoured place Amen. because I've never joined a ministry. Well, I used to be in the drovers, but that was years ago. Oh, you can sing. Um, yeah. Don't sing no more, though. When I did come back to church, I didn't join a ministry. I then joined Kids Church. Um, I'm one of their teachers. So I'm doing that. Plus I do their Instagram page. And I'm really proud of that. Um, I actually won an award, a volunteer award. Um, I will say this leaving prison thinking I could get a job mm. you don't it took me over 10 years and it's weird because God's um, put this job in my lap to it was for an agency and they said oh you'd be working at this school and I said okay cool didn't realise it was an SEN school. Um, and I found it so challenging, mm. but yet so rewarding. It, oh my God. The, the, the rewards of seeing these children that have ASD or ADHD or anything mm. and to hear them talk or even look at you or even you ask them to do something and they do it, just to see it and hear it is a reward in itself with these kids. Um, and I was only there a week and the teacher was like, I think you need to apply for the job. And I said, there's no jobs going here. She said, yes, there is. It's just gone up, apply for it. I'm putting in my two pence piece in and you're going to get this job. And lo and behold, I got the job and I'm still there. And I'm now studying my level three TA oh. in SEM. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well done. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. Now, can you, what would you say to church, I say church folk, mm. when they've had somebody in their congregation who they know that has mm -hmm. done something wrong and mm -hmm. have come back to church because you've gone back like and you've gone back to the same church mm -hmm. which you know for me I'm just like you're amazing because of many people like you said at the beginning you felt ashamed to then actually mm -hmm. go back and step into that same church where you know that your actions hurt some people and still go like that's amazing what would you say to other church members um in to embrace people who are coming back back in 
number one is don't judge. Make them feel loved. Make them feel wanted. Because every single one of us has got skeletons in our closet. Now, for me, I'm an open book. I don't care. I will tell you what sin I've done. I will tell you, I'm straight up and I'm honest. But there's some people that have got worse skeletons than me, mm. but carry on like they're holier than thou. Don't do it. Mm. Don't do it because you don't know what that person was going through. Mm. You don't know what I was going through to even do what I had to do. Mm. What you, what people need to understand is, yes, I was brought up with a silver spoon, but I can't ask for help. Mm. I cannot do it. I'm learning to now, don't get me wrong, but I can't ask for help. For those- and I can't. I can't ask for help because people think that I'm loaded with money mm. because of my parents, because of how I grew up. Don't look at that. Mm. My parents have their own money. I have mine, but I don't have my parents' money. Mm. And I'm a single parent of two beautiful children. I don't have their dads in their lives, or should I say the other way around? But anyway, mm. yeah. for those um, people who are going through and can't ask for help, what would you say to them? People, people think that asking for help is wrong. But I think it depends on the type of help. Mm that you need. I could have asked my parents to help me, but I felt ashamed of the fact that they thought I was living a cushy life. So if they found out the real truth, I think it would have really hurt them especially my dad but you have to ask for help and don't just ask anybody if you know you have a true friend or true true family family members that are behind you and supporting you 100% ask them don't just ask anybody because you've got family and family that say they're family but they're truly not but you need to ask for help you said um you when you went into jail you really started building your relationship how Aside from doing the Bible studies with um, your friends and reading um, and going into worship and prayer, how did God help you through those two years personally? 
he opened up my mind. Mm. He opened up my eyes. Um, I think the ones, it, the time that I can remember is, um, it was my last year when I was in a part of the prison that's semi-open. Um, it was a nice summer's day. Um, all us girls were outside. And there was one lady, um, she was there and she should have been released two weeks ago and she was crying and everything. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And she was like, um, I should have been released two weeks ago, but because I've got to go to a drug referral unit, um, they won't release me because I haven't got a bed. So I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, I'm just getting fed up and I'm being tempted. And you know, there's that saying that there's more drugs in prison than there is outside. Trust me, it's true. Um, and I said to her, you've got this. If you've done, I think she done about a year, year and a half, um, I said, if you've done a year and a half clean, you can do this. Oh. You can do this, and oh, I don't. I can't remember exactly what I was saying to her, but I know God was using me oh. because there were things coming out of my mouth, and I was just like, I don't really know much about. <laughs> the drug referral unit, what people go through who are addicts, I don't really know, but whatever I was saying, mm -hmm. she just kept hugging me and thanking me, and I spoke about God, and she was like, I don't really believe in him, and I said, look, I, I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm telling you now, I don't know why I'm sitting here, mm -hmm. but I'm talking to you, and I believe God is talking through me to talk to you. Um, but personally, me and God, I think it's those nights, you could call them night talks, night prayers, but it's those times and you have to really listen. And even when you're getting letters from your friends and family, there's certain things in there that you know you've spoken to God about. But when someone else writes it in your letter or your card and sending it to you and you're reading it again, it's okay. God. Yeah, reconfirming. Right. Yeah. Oh, so what would you say to that person who has done things wrong, um, is hearing from God, but don't think they're good enough? or will be accepted by church or, um, or by God? You don't have to be perfect to be accepted by God. Please understand that because God has accepted me through all my flaws, through all my trials, through all my tribulations. And I'm here still standing, still talking. Mm. And I'm talking about my story. Mm. You look past that. Just look 
and read mm. and open your ears. Don't just hear him, but listen to him. Mm. It's like the other day on my birthday. I, I don't know if she reminds me saying her name. She she prophesied some things to me and I sat there and I cried because I didn't tell her I was this isolation's messing with me mentally. It's taking me back to when I was inside jail and what I squashed the feelings and the emotions and she was saying some things and I was just like, nice time to really listen to God in this isolation time mm -hmm. because I can't disobey him not right now not with what's going on mm. but there are some people that are around you that they don't even know that it's God talking through them to talk to you mm. if you have positive people around you keep them around you if there's negativity, cut them off. You can, and I don't mean cut them off as in cut them off. I mean cut them off as in keep them at a social social distancing, like mm. what we're doing now. Mm. You don't need that around you. Mm. And I've done that for the last five years. Mm. I've kept a social, big social distance from a lot of people. I guess that really helps in terms of moving forward and creating new, new life. And you've made such an amazing life. Like the fact that you're working in a school, you've got your cake business, your children are thriving. You know, you're out telling your story. It's, it's not easy. It's no. not. Don't, Baze, it is from easy but I do know that God is standing near me mm. and he's covering me mm. to keep me on the path that I am on mm. there you go <laughs> thank you so much for sharing me. I know this is going to touch a lot of our listeners who are listening um Guys, if you were touched by Ellie's story, please get in touch. You know, we have counsellors um, as part of Life Essence and we're really trying to promote um, mental wellness. So if you really need support, you need someone to talk to, then please get in touch. You know the details. Um, go Jump on the website and go to the mental health page and then you'll see all the different contacts that we have there. And um, keep posted for the next podcast and if you've got any questions or you want us to discuss any topics then do get in contact <laughs> thank you so much for sharing me i know this is going to touch a lot of our listeners who are listening thank you you're more than welcome for using this platform for me to voice my testimony yeah i no doubt you're going to be everywhere <laughs> you've done the first podcast here at Life Essence <laughs> alright thank you guys see you next or hear you next time bye